Boker Tov, welcome to the last stop of Masechet Kiddushin, Daf Pei Bet, 82. We pick up on the middle of um, Pei Alf Amud Bet, about, oh, about, I don't even know, but exactly in the middle of the mediums of the wide lines with the two dots, Midyachet Adam Imimo. Okay, so it's about, I don't know, about uh, two-fifths of the way down, 20, 25 lines down. Midyachet Adam Imimo, middle of the line, two dots. A man can be in Yichud together with his mother and a father with his daughter. Okay? And the Mishnah continued to say, it's a quote from Mishnah, they can even sleep together in the same bed, even uh, without, without pajamas on, night clothes on, until, uh, until it says they become older. It doesn't exactly tell you what the age is of older. Okay? So that's a parent with a child. So the Gemara looks at other relations. Let's take a look at other possibilities. Um, a person, a person, obviously, while well, talking about the man's perspective, can even be in Yichud with his sister. And this is presumably his adult sister and so on, even though, of course, acknowledging that the major category of Arias in the Torah is incest, right? Um, and, you know, but uh, maybe this is a, a sense that even though it's a major category of Arayot, there's not a strong Yitzhah Hara for it. Although, again, who knows? As Freud says, you don't need taboos about something that nobody is doing. So, um, on the other, or maybe it's just an acknowledgement of reality. Like, you know, we have to let people grow up together in the same household. What does it mean? Whenever the parents leave, all of a sudden you know, the brothers and sisters can't stay at home or, or whatever. So, anyway, so one or the other, the Gemara understands either because of a concern of a less of a concern about of a sexual uh, temptation or because of realities, that according to this position of Ravasi, a man can be have yichud together with his sister. Vidar im imo im bito by the mother or daughter meaning a parental relationship, mother and son, father and daughter, um, we are even more lenient and we don't just allow yichud, we allow them to live, actually live together permanently. Okay? So, meaning now, I don't know exactly what that means. Obviously, you're also living with your sister in the same house, right? But maybe, again, so I'm not exactly sure what the line would be. When you grow up and you're your own balabas, you can't have your sister live with you. You know, what exactly is the line between living with your mother and not living with your sister? When you're growing up in the same house with your sister, you're living with your sister. But anyway, Anyway, clearly, well, you have your cut well, right, but your bar mitzvah. I don't know. In the times they got with that, the Gemara's assumption that once you're bar mitzvah, you're moving out of the house. I don't know. Anyway, married, right? right? Okay, we can figure it out. But there's some difference here. All right. Um, now that was the position of Rav Yehuda Maravasi. He Amar coming to Shmuel when he when I said it in front of Shmuel. Amar utterly yachid in Kol No, Chas Shalom. You can't have yichud with any of the relations in the Torah. Presumably, not only sister. It sounds like he's even including mother and daughter. Right. I don't know how the heck you, what you're supposed to do in that case. Like, as soon as the father leaves to work, you know, the, uh, the son has to go out of the house with the father. Like, I don't know exactly how this is supposed to work. Anyway. Okay, yeah, Shmuel has been very strict and he's going to continue to be very strict. Now, Philippe and not only that, you can't even be in Yichud together with an animal. No, any, any possible arayot, no pets, no whatever, no farm animals. Nah. Now, let's see if Shmuel's statement really works. This is the Mishnah. You can have Yichud with your mother and daughter, and you can sleep with them, actually, you know, skin to skin. So, obviously, they're talking while they're still small. The Tshuv to the Shmuel, clear contradiction of Shmuel. Couldn't hear even that's what we teach in Abraisa. Achoso v'chamoso v'shakhalash. A Brisa says, 
that uh, your sister and mother-in-law and any other of the arayot, you cannot have yichud unless your witness is present, which means that you can't have yichud. Okay? So, be'edim in, shalom be'edim lo, only with witnesses, not without witnesses. So that goes against, meaning that's consistent with the Mishnah, because the Mishnah only gave the exception of mother and daughter. Okay, but and the Brayta consistent is consistent with that and says yes, but sisters and other relatives are off. That's all very consistent within the Mishnah. But Shmuel says, but it goes against Ravasi because Ravasi said it's okay with the sister. So you're telling me I say not okay with the sister, not okay even with mother or daughter. Presumably <coughs> that's against the Mishnah. Well, I'll tell you, the Ravasi is against the, the Brayta. Okay, so uh, uh, better to be against the Brayta than against the Mishnah. But anyway, so the Gemara says Amar um, of So the Gemara says Ella. Tanahi. You know what? This is the whole debate of Tanayim. You could take a very lenient opinion, like Ravasi, that even with, uh, you know, with other relatives, it's okay. Okay? And then the question is, who's included in the other relatives? I mean, he says sister, but, you know, would it also be mother-in-law or whatever? Anyway, well, you can like Ravasi, even other relatives is okay. You can take the mission, which is a middle position, mother and, you know, child and, fa- uh, child and, and, uh, and, and parent, yes. Other relatives, no. That's the mission. That's with the bright. That's the middle position. Or the Shmuel position, which is everything is Asr. Okay, now where are we going to see an idea that supports the Shmuel position, that everything is Asr? So, Dishanya, we turn the Brisa. I'm a Rebbe Mayor. He's Zarubi Mipnei Biti. Be careful with me regarding my daughter. Meaning, he said to the people in his house, you know, if, if don't ever let me be alone with my daughter. Like, make sure, you know, that there's always somebody else in the room at the same time. Uh, yep. I'm a Rebbe Tarfin, says Rebbe Tarfin. He's Zarubi Mipnei Kalasi. You know what? I don't want to, don't leave me alone in the same room with my uh, daughter-in-law. Make sure there's somebody else in the room. So, legally, Galavos, a certain student like, well, you know, was a sort of mocking derisive of this. What? What type of a Yetzirah does he have? Or what type of a crazy Chumras that he has? He doesn't want to be alone with his daughter-in-law. So, uh, so, uh, it was not many days after that student was mocked him. And then that student himself wound up uh, having, you know, a sexual transgression sinned with his uh, mother-in-law. Okay, once again repeating the theme that people... You know, cannot that the yetzerah for sex is very powerful, and we sort of uh, ignore it at our own peril. So, um, also maybe the idea about you know about uh, what's the statement about koha posel bemumo posel. You know, <laughs> so you don't want to acknowledge it within yourself, and therefore you make fun of other people. Anyway, okay. So um, anyway, but this is now hitting on that theme, which is going to say that like everything is us. You know, even the daughter. I mean, okay, daughter-in-law, mother-in-law. That's already a little bit removed, right? But even a daughter according to this, everything is usher. Um So now the Gemara, again, I don't know exactly how you arrange, you know, the living arrangements, especially in a one-room one house. But okay, let's keep on leading. Um, okay, where were we? Um, now, a feeling behemoth. Now, Shmuel said, even with an animal, we're going to see that in the next Mishnah, that, you know, um, there actually is a position like that of Rebbe Yehuda, but Shmuel, again, that seems to be very extreme, but Shmuel is saying that. Okay? So, Abai, now we're going to see some Amorayim that follow that concern. Abaye made sure that when he was out in the field learning or whatever he was doing, there wouldn't be any animals within anywhere on the field. Mm-hmm. Like, remove them. Okay? Mm-hmm. Destroyed them. Okay? Rav Sheshesh sort of made sure they were on the other side of the bridge or the other side of the river. Okay? 
Rav Chanan was blind. That's also a good point. Yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. You have to go out watching your sheep with other shepherds. Like I, I don't know. Okay, uh, yeah, I don't know how you're supposed to live in your home if you're machmir about your your daughter or your son. I don't know how you're supposed to be a shepherd. Yes. So just to note, like there are other arayas, namely two men, and like that's coming up in the next Mishnah. Okay, Rav Chanan Minardot. Equal to Rav Kahana, Lefum Nara. Rav Chanami Narda came to, you know, drop by Rav Kahana, to Rav Kahana in this place, Funara. Chazi Diyasu Yikogaz, he saw that Rav Kahana was sitting and, you know, learning. The Kaimu Behema Kame. And there was an animal right there. Could you imagine it? There was a cow right in front of him where he was sitting and learning. So, Rabbi, will somebody mar a few in Behema? Don't you hold. Now, it's so funny because you're quoting a statement in the name of Shmuel, but it's sort of being quoted as if it's a Tanaitic statement. It didn't say, don't you hold of what Shmuel said. Don't you hold of this, you know, it's almost like this, there's, there's this there's this kind of itic source. Anyway, don't you hold that even with an animal you shouldn't have yichud? I mean, again, it's also funny, since when is it yichud? You're out of the field. If other people can walk by, you know, what, which is an interesting question. What does it mean to be secluded? Like, you remember, for example, the Gemara before talked about going with the husband and wife to another city and the two Tamid Chachamim. So seclusion is not only like in a, in a room, in a structure, in a building. Right? You could have two people alone in the forest that's also yichud right but nevertheless you imagine a field where people are grazing animals that anybody could walk you know could come by it's sort of like petach patuach l'rishut harabim you know like why we even define it as yichud yes and someone did come by exactly so like it's very strange right so this all seems quite excessive Anyway, what did he say back? Love of Daitai. Oh, I wasn't thinking. Thank you for pointing that out to me. Right? Which is, of course, ironic because you were so distracted you weren't thinking and nevertheless were concerned about it. Now, look at Tosvos. The question is, how do we paskin? Okay, so Tosvos says, We did a lot of good psak yesterday. Too bad you weren't there. We make sure we leave all the psak for days and night here. They were just being extra stringent. Which is, we're going to see the case about two men. Okay, that's all very nice. These are just excessive chumras. As we said, it's probably not even a yichud scenario. But what it doesn't answer is, and presumably we're going to pass them like the Mishnah, that daughter and son is okay. But what about the other relatives? What about sister? Right? What so that, you know, sister or brother, whatever. Those are questions. What about grandmother? Okay, those are questions. So those are debates of poskim about how we come out with those. Okay? So I'm a rava. If you have a real alachmaiz question, you can talk to me afterwards. Okay, but that's machlokas aposkin. I'm a rava. Misiachid adam yivamot. Now, so again, a man can't be with two women because we're afraid he'll seduce both of them, or he'll seduce one and the other one will go along and keep quiet. But if the other, if there are two women who hate one another, then it's okay because you, if you seduce one, if a man seduces one of them, the other one is going to tell everybody about it because she wants to ruin the person's reputation. Okay, so that makes it more mutter. It's the same way like Ishto Imo and other types of things. So if they hate one another, then it's okay. Then everybody's going to be, watch, be on top watching everybody you else's behavior. Like mother and daughter-in-law. Well, we're going to get to it. Two sister-in-laws, they hate one another because if one of the husbands dies, then this one might become a co-wife because of the mitzvah of Yibam. The states are wrote literally two co-wives. A woman and her mother-in-law. A woman and her stepdaughter. Okay, okay. now, so that's all because they're going to report on it and you're not going to be able to to, to, to get it you know to do it the man won't be able to seduce one and have the other one keep quiet also and somebody who you can't keep quiet is 
Im isha vitinokes, a woman and a young child. Because as we know, that you can't do anything in front of the kids or say anything because they'll just repeat it to anybody, you know, because they're just going to blab it, right? They don't have any discretion. So, if there's actually a young kid, it actually improves the situation of yichud because the kid is going to just say, oh, guess what I saw, you know? So anyway, okay, now, however, sheyudas tambiya ain't mosas atma libiya. It has to be somebody that understands what sex is so that, you know, it'll be something that they will report on and, you know, and so on. But B, but it has to be also someone who is not um, going to allow themselves to, you know, uh, to, to, to uh, let's look at Rashi. Let's look at Rashi. Right? She's going to go up and blab because she doesn't have discretion. But what is she going to be blabbing about? You know, they have some stories sometimes, right? Whatever. You know, oh, I saw mommy kissing the grocer. You know, or I saw daddy kissing the babysitter or something like that. So you usually can figure out something's going on there, even though all they say is kissing or whatever, right? But uh, but that's the point. They have to know enough to be so that they're reporting something. But ain't a Moses atzmolabia mitoch kotna adayin lo love sheyitzer shokach ain kamishum das kalosh lotein nochalit patot, which also, by the way, says that we're not really concerned about abuse and about rape. Okay, so she's not going to willingly participate in the act. She'll know enough to blab but not enough to be a participant okay and therefore that makes it better than two normally a case of two women and again shows by the way not only are we not only concerned about a rape it sounds like we're not concerned about rape at all right because otherwise who cares about most of Malabia I mean sadly we know that you know when children are abused you know they get chained into silence so then that's not a concern here okay so Dadumar goes on once the kids are older, although a parent and a child can, a mother and a son, a father and a daughter, can have yichud and even sleep together in the same bed, um, and even actually, like, without, uh, without clothes on, okay, um, it says once they are, get older, they have to, they can also still share a bed, but they have to have some type of night clothes on. So the comma, how much older is older? Tinokes is a whole big debate about what gir- the girsa here is. We're just going to read the girsa in our Gemara. Tinokes pas tishashan v'yom echad, a young girl, if she's nine years, once she's nine years old in a day, um, then, then the father can't sleep with her naked. And tinokes pas tishashan v'yom echad. And a boy, once he's twelve years old in a day, then the mother can't sleep with him naked. It's interesting that difference, right? I mean, what's that assuming? Is that assuming that the father might take more advantage of his daughter than your mother, her son, which, you know, you sort of understand that again because the man can more... It goes back to our question again, rape or seduction and, and so on. But anyway, that's the initial assertion. Igadami, some say, So that's the standard, like, parallel, like, bar and bat mitzvah, that's when they can't, okay? Which then the question is, is that because then there's, once it's bar and bat mitzvah, that's linked with, associated with physical maturity, and then there's a sense about maybe their, uh, you know, the concern that they'll have sex is more present just because, you know, of the physical maturity of their body? Um, or is it also because now that they're an adult, you know, they're, part, they're sort of seen as a more of an independent entity and therefore also have to be responsible for the laws of Yichud. So it seems more the former, right? Because certainly you have to look at it from the parent's perspective. And anyway, so it seems that it's more the former, that then they're of the age of physical maturity. And that's when the Gemara now elaborates. And the Gemara says... Um, 
Where were we? Uh, and even when they reach that age, okay, it's only a problem once their body has actually reached physical maturity. Well, and the Gemara describes it in terms of the girl, okay, the breasts have developed and presumably the pubic hair, okay, but if they haven't had those signs of, of, of maturity, it's, presum- it's not a concern. And had it earlier. And it's, and I, right, so that's going to be the next, the, the, the other question. Uh, Rashi says, one minute. A minute? No. Uh... Yeah, no, no. Rashi says presumably even if they have those signs even at an earlier age, it's not a problem. But you're right. Why isn't it just those signs of maturity? The other point, of course, is that the Gemara has now completely shifted back to the male perspective because it's only describing the, mature, the, the physical maturity of the young girl, not of the young boy. Right? It's got a pasuk, it's got a pasuk in Yechezkel for that, but nevertheless, it is, it is you know, what could be expected completely now shifting to the male perspective and the male gaze here and only looking at it in terms of the girl. It was talking about both. No, it was talking about the father and the daughter and the mother and the son. So it didn't give a parallel with what would be the maturity of the son, physical maturity. Right? It's only describing that in terms of the daughter. Now here's Michael addressing your issue to some degree. There's sometimes even at a younger age it could be in concern. When is it okay at a younger age or without that degree of physical development? That's if again now we're totally looking at father and daughter. We've totally shifted to the total male perspective. That's only when the daughter, but again, parallel would be true about a son, only when the daughter would be afraid to be naked in front of her father. Or not afraid, uh, embarrassed to be naked in front of her father. But if she's embarrassed to stand naked in front of her father, it's forbidden. My time, why? Now you see that she is of an age of sexual, having some sexual desire or sexual feelings. She understands what it is to be naked in front of a, mem- a, a member of the opposite sex, even a parent. And so once there's that, that uh, reality, there is a concern maybe more that something will happen so again by the way notice right the total concern is in terms of consensual sex not in terms of forced sex right so once the other party has the yates or just like the other discussion about the young child together with the woman you know getting rid of yichud now there's a concern but when they were could have been abused and taken advantage of and they were physically mature that wasn't a concern okay so um, alright so anyway it's a very interesting um, about dealing with realities of you know some of this might feel weird to us. Really? Like even 10 years old, a 10 year old daughter naked in the bed together with her father, like, you know, we might feel that that's very inappropriate. But you know, there are different societies, have different norms and realities. And the Gemara says, yeah, okay, it's not saying it's always appropriate. You know, there are times when, you know, in these cases, when you, when you are embarrassed to be naked or a certain degree of age and development, but at other times there was a more, I guess, you know, physical intimacy and the Gemara felt that that was, was appropriate. So I don't know how people are feeling reading this. Like, you know, are they feeling like, oh, that's nice that the Gemara is able to it can, you know, sort of deal with realities and not be, not have like this uh, hyper, um, you know, uh, 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 like a, the word isn't sensitivity, but, you know, hyper vigilance around these types of things that can acknowledge, you know, these realities for what they were, because I'm sure 99 times out of 100 they were innocent and they were the realities, right? Or are we like, are we like saying, are we like reading this and saying like, I can't believe it, like, you know, some really bad stuff could happen here and how is the Gemara not concerned about that? So I think it's interesting, you know, when you look at it with, you know, different eyes. Uh, yeah, I haven't gotten past over 
if she's uh, the yichud thing with your daughter, like you know, at any point, like, I mean, forget about sleeping with them. Like, we have a four. Right, that's your perspective. Somebody else might say, "What? You never heard about about child abuse? You never heard about you know about you know fathers are you know uh, there, are, there are lots of cases about fathers you know sexually abusing their daughters, right? So that's the question. So do you go ahead and make takanot for that? You know, whatever it is, you know, one out of a thousand cases, right? And so it happens all the time, but it only happens one out of a thousand times. I'm making up the number, but let's say, you know, so do you sort of say we can't go ahead and make takanot for that and we have to let people live there, which is what I think the Gemara is saying, right? So... Right, why don't we just say it about all of you right now? Right, obviously, so we some other things we're concerned about and some things we're not. Alright, so let's continue. So the Gemara says, um, okay, now here's a story. Rav Acha, it's great, because these uh, all these discussions have these all stories linked with them. Um, excuse me. Um, Rav Acha Baraba equal the Rav Chista. Rav Acha Baraba came to the house of Rav Chista, Chasne, his son-in-law. Shakli Lebat Barta, he took his granddaughter, his son-in-law's daughter, Ose Bichnafe, put her like uh, in, her, in, her, in his cloak or sat her on his lap. Amalei, so his son-in-law said to him, What, don't you realize she's a married woman? Our five, my, your five-year-old granddaughter? <laughs> Uh, we don't know how old she is, but it sounds like she's young. She's, uh, she's 12 years Okay, she's, we're going to see in a minute she was a katana. Okay? What? Don't you realize that we married her off already? So getting us back to the theme of Mesechus Kiddushin. Amrlay, ha! You what? You married her off? Avarta l'chad rav. You went against the ruling of Rav. Damar of Yudam Aravi, Tamar of Elezer. Also, I'm saying, I said, I said, Didn't you learn this earlier in the Mesechah, beginning of the second parak? We said that a man is not allowed to marry off his daughter when she's a minor. You have to wait till she grows up and she can choose the man she wants to be married to. So how did you marry her off? Okay, so it's always the best defense is a good offense. Okay, I'm a, um, so he said, Marinami Avraham Shmuel. Okay, but you fine. I did something wrong, but you're going against what Shmuel teaches. Tamar Shmuel Shmuel says, You're not allowed to make use of the service of a woman, which seems to be meaning to, like as an attendant, like you know they would have these uh, female attendants or whatever. And Shmuel would say that's inappropriate. Okay, and here now it's not exactly the same. He's not having to attend to her. He's just sitting around the lap, but it's the same point. Like, we have to keep our distance, even if it something seems innocent. Like, okay, she's, you know, she's the maid. She's, uh, she's serving the meals or whatever. This isn't sexual. And again, notice, Shmuel, right, is hypersensitive. Like, you know, he doesn't want to be with an animal, doesn't want to be with his daughter, doesn't want to be whatever. So you can't have a woman doing the uh, domestic service around the house. Again, I don't know exactly what the parameters are, because the whole mission Suva spoke about the woman bringing in various maid servants and so on. But whatever, maybe some type of attending... Mostly the maidservants the woman would bring in would do the back office stuff, like would work on the sewing that'd and the, okay. whatever, that'd be okay, but actually be attending to the needs of the man, and especially sometimes those needs were pouring a bath and all those other types of things. Like Shmuel says, don't tell me it's all innocent, maybe it is innocent or whatever, but we gotta not allow it. Shmuel's very consistent, okay? So he says, so if you're not allowed to do that, you can't sit your granddaughter on your lap, right? Even your married granddaughter. By the way, here's a question. It sounds like if she weren't married, it wouldn't be a problem. At what age is there a 
yichud problem, right? It gets back to the sort of earlier Gemara, right? About the this, that the Gemara was talking about sleeping naked with your daughter. But at what age is there a yichud problem? How if the girl is three, is there a yichud problem? With, have, with any girl, with any woman, right? Or with any man, right? Does it go by the age of Bia, a nine-year-old boy and a three-year-old girl, right? Does it go with you know bar and bat mitzvah? What age do these types of things start becoming a problem? Okay, here it sounded like he was only giving them a hard time because she was married, right? Okay, so those are other very interesting questions. Anyway, he said, look, you're, so you're going, I shouldn't have married her. You shouldn't have sat her on your lap. You know, Shmuel makes all these, all these uh, safeguards. So he says, No, no, no. I don't like this other teaching of Shmuel. Shmuel, Hakol Hashem Shemayim. If it's all, if, 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 you're, if what you're doing is for the sake of heaven, if your kavan is in the right place, you don't have to worry about it. Now talk about two, yeah. two approaches of Shmuel that are like completely diametrically opposite. What is all of these safeguards? But if your kavan is with Shem Shemayim, if you're in pure intent, you don't have to worry about it. Now what does that allow? First of all, look at Rashi. Hakol Hashem Shemayim. I'm not doing it in a sexual way. That's how I interpret that. I'm doing it in a, you know, as I'm a grandfather because of love and, uh, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, warmth and so on. Uh, not what I'm looking for. But anyway, to show her mother how much I love her, her, her daughter, right? A grandfather, husband kisses her granddaughter. That's not sexual. I mean, you know, you, what type of person thinks that that's sexual? So first of all, that's important because, you know, sometimes posting talk as if there's only two types of touch, right? There's, there's neutral touch and sexual touch. You know, there's a lot of touch that's between neutral and sexual, right? Mm-hmm. Comforting, loving, or whatever, without being sexual, number one. Number two, though, is, is this idea of Hakol Hashem Shemayim is very interesting. It gets into the whole discussion because this is no longer a question of Yichud in a way. This is a question about touch, if you really think about it, right? And so that's really the question that a number of Rishonim say, is there an issue? of neutral touch between a man and a woman he's not married to. Okay, and let's even say a woman who's a Nida, married woman, fine. It's, it's an Isra Arias, no problem, understood, neutral touch, a handshake, right? So, a number of, you know, that's the whole, right, a number of posts can think like, certainly uh, of the common discourse you hear is, oh, that's Asr Durabanan, but maybe it could be overridden for the sake of Kavad Abrios, like so in a business situation and somebody be embarrassed, they don't, you don't stick out your hand, you don't shake their hand, you know, whatever, etc., etc. Um, I don't know if people heard there was this whole interesting case in France did people hear about this yeah, these two Muslim boys no in France was it in France no, it was it was in, in Switzerland some no, like Sweden or Switzerland, one of those SW places. Anyway, the custom was that they, they, every, all the kids would shake the, t- the teacher's hand, and that was seen as a very important cultural sign of respect. And these two Muslim boys, where is it? Switzerland. Switzerland. These two Muslim boys refused to shake their teacher's hands. So the school said, oh, they're women teachers. So the school said, okay, but you can, don't shake your men teacher's hands either. We'll be consistent. Anyway, then the public got wind of this, and there was a huge outcry, and the court basically ruled that they have to shake their teacher's hands. Um, or and then the whole big question about like you know about well, you know anyway um, we could have that other discussion but anyway the point is so one approach is like there's some people that will never shake anybody's hands there's some people that will say okay it's mutter because of 
Rebrios, but they'll wait till the, the man will wait till the woman sticks out her hand, which is like, you know, sometimes it's Kavra Brios to anticipate it also. Anyway, but a number of Rishonim and Postkin based on this Gemara and parallel Gemara say if it's not sexual, there's no technical Isser Durabanan. If you know that this type of a touch will lead to, will be lead to Hirurim or some sexual charge, then don't do it. But if you know that it's going to be completely neutral, then there's no problem. It doesn't need an override. Fundamentally, there's not a problem if, if, you, can, if you trust yourself and you know that it's a neutral type of a touch. Um, which me, as a rabbi, that's always a challenge because, like, on the one hand, so I'm totally fine with that. I'm prepared to even stick out my hand and shake. I don't wait for somebody to stick out their hand or whatever. But then you don't know, is the person going to be offended if you do stick out your hand or if you don't stick out your hand? Like, what? I thought you were an Orthodox rabbi. What are you doing sticking out your hand? Okay, anyway, fine. Um, but anyway, so this is interesting here because this is no longer really a yichud case, but it is interesting how does it work together with other statements of Shmuel, right? Shmuel about all of his big yichud limits, all of the fact that ain't mishtamshin be'isha. Maybe Shmuel is saying both things. Maybe Shmuel is saying more like that override approach. He's not just saying, yes, there are all of these parameters. Those are the default parameters. But in special cases, if you know that you are okay and you can be trusted and it's not a concern, then it's okay, right? So that's like that middle place. It's not that saying, my means that it's no, that's how you balance those two. Meaning, that, well, meaning, meaning the, you can balance it by saying, you can say, there are no formal isurim. Just use your best judgment, right? That, or you could say, no, 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 there are these formal parameters, but in special cases, if you know that you're a special case, then it's okay, right? And that shifts the dyna- you know the sense of what what your point of departure is with these things. Yes. Right, but getting to the point of you deciding whether you're, whether you're okay is right. a really complicated thing because if that was it all along, then exactly. How about that Talmud that was legally and thought, oh, how could anybody have that Yetzirah? And then they're just not being honest with their own Yetzirah. Right. Exactly. I, yeah, I understand the problem with that. So it's an interesting question. How much this Hakolish Shemaim is? Oh, for Tzadikim Gemurim who know they won't have here. Him, or how much is it more of a really guideline in actual practice? Also, we're all at a place where we're all shaking hands, and the poor person who, for shaking them shaking hands, like is a problem for whatever they decide that it right. is a problem for them. Then everyone knows that <laughs> what their yetsarara is, right? It does, exactly, exactly. All right, so let's now we move on. So now the final daf here, Amud. Lo adam ravak sofrim. A a single man should not be a school teacher. It's a funny uh, grammar. He should not teach sofrim, but he should not be, meaning he should, sofrim is like a, it means school teacher. Somehow that lo yulamed sofrim, he's not teaching scribes, okay? But anyway, don't be a, he shouldn't be a school teacher if he's single. Ravak means never married. Wait, never? Does he never married and single? Right, so Ravak means, well, we're going to get to that. Ravak means never married, okay? And a woman should not be a school teacher, which is, of course, the ironic because 98% of the uh, school teachers are women, you know, of the, young, of the younger grades, right, are, are women, like the, uh, what's it called, lower school. Rabbi um, Eliezer, I made up that statistic, Rabbi Eliezer Omer, even a man who currently does not have a wife, which could mean he was 
married and he's divorced or his wife died or we'll see another possibility in the Gemara okay so meaning you could have said well if once a person has had an opportunity to have had you know once a man has had a wife and has been sexually active or less concerned but he says no even if you currently don't have a wife it's a problem so according to all of this the only person who can be a school teacher is a married man and by the way I do find this very strange why is a married man it doesn't say a single woman can't be a school teacher it says a woman why is a married man a safer than a married woman right a married woman we say Bala you know Bala Beir you know even if her husband isn't right there she's concerned about her husband right is it because we're again this assumption that women are easier to to seduce than men but I don't I I don't exactly get it now we'll we'll see in the Gemara what are we afraid of are we afraid that they're going to take abuse they're going to abuse the children the Gemara is going to say no so let's just wait wait a minute so let's take a look. We'll see what the Gemara says. I, okay, because uh, so, it's not going to be about the students. Okay, lo Okay, so a single man or an unmarried man, a never married, should not be a shepherd, and two unmarried men should not be in one. Uh, right, sleep under. Well, well, right, right, right. Sleep under under one blanket. The chachamim matim the chachamim allow it. So going back a little bit to the issue before about who's going to be a shepherd. For him, it's not anybody can't, but it can't be at least a single man. Okay, so let's take a look at the Gemara. Very interesting Gemara. Very interesting Mishnah. Well, let's unpack it. My time. What's the reason that you can't be a school teacher, an unmarried man, the children, that the response to Rebbe Yehuda about the sharing the, uh, the uh, blanket or being a shepherd is they said that, you know, Jews are not suspect of sleeping with animals or of having of two men sleeping together, right? Very interesting in terms of the contemporary, obviously, you know, issues around, uh, around gay, gay sex and halacha and so on. I'll talk in a minute about that. Okay, so therefore, why would be afraid that now the presumption being that the kids that are going to Cheder are only boys. Only boys get formal education. So, what are we concerned about, right? Um, how, we can't be concerned about the kids because we're not concerned that they're going to, you know, engage in sex with another man or a, a male, a, even a boy. So the Gemara says, Ella Ravak Mishumam Hasa, a single man can't be a teacher because of the mothers who will bring the kids to school, the Yanuke, the Isha Mishum Avusa, the Yanuke, and the woman can't be a teacher because of the fathers that will bring people to school. You want to have a conference with the parent, so you, you know, you go ahead and you have a little private conference, and then who knows what happens, right? Or there's too much mingling and too much getting to, you know, opportunities there, right? I mean, it happens also, especially divorced parents or whatever. It's not like these things don't happen. So, uh, but the interesting thing that I still want to know is, so first of all, this isn't exactly a yichud concern. We're going to see this in the Gemara. You could say it's a concern, don't allow this, it will lead to yichud. But it's, it's, it's more than that. It's more like it'll lead to sex, right? It's not like, oh, it'll lead, I mean, you could say it two ways. Oh, it's usher because they'll have a conference together in a room and that'll be yichud, and then we'll have a yichud sir. I don't think we're saying that. I don't think it's a gzeira yichud. I think it's like these types of interactions will actually prevent, present temptations and lead to sex. But the question I still ask is, and we obviously in a segregated society, we want to avoid these types of regular mixings which will happen every single day when they bring the kids to school. But I still want to know why it's a less of a problem for a married man than a married woman, right? Why is the married man not going to less of a problem of seducing the mothers, you know, than the married woman in terms of being seduced by the father? I don't know what I don't know why or seduce the father, I don't know why there's a difference there. Well, yes. Teaching different. You know, if you're a shopkeeper, man, 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's a good question. Um, uh, yeah, I guess it's because. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think it's because of the opportunity. I, I, I just guess it's sort of the circumstantial opportunities to that there are sometimes fewer people around. Like in shop, it's the regular like petach patuach literature. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Kids at the same time, roughly. What? What? Yeah. What are you saying? All right. Yeah, you know. I guess they are. I, I don't know. Maybe it's their parents and, and p- parents and teachers have more have more intimate conversations. Mm-hmm. Like I need to talk to you about your child, you know. And somehow, whereas shopkeepers, it's much more remains very professional and transactional and businesslike, right? Look, I, I don't know. I definitely have heard of stories that this happens, right, with with, with parents and and teachers. And I don't hear about this with shopkeepers. So, right? <laughs> you do? <laughs> okay, I guess there's stories about the mailman, but that's like okay. But, but that's the point. I think it's like. What circumstances allow for more interactions than others? You know, yeah. Um, just in the married man versus married woman thing, I feel, I feel like it's because we're worried. We're really worried about the men. So if the man, who's the teacher, is married, we're like less worried about him. And but if there's a woman, we don't know who the men are who are maybe dropping off children or who are coming in. Right, so the man might be a single man, and then he might more... Right, I think the mission doesn't incorporate the teaching of... Because I'm also asking myself, whatever happened about, like, Balabir type of cases? I don't know if the mission has fully incorporated that, you know, that teaching, which was an Amoraic teaching, but I think you're right. It starts with the idea that the man is the concern, right? So, anyway, that's very interesting. Okay, so that's that. Now, how about this other issue? Rebbe Lezer, I'm here, I've um uh even somebody who doesn't have a woman a wife a woman does he mean that um if you, if he doesn't have a wife at all, meaning he was married but now he's divorced or or, or widowed, or maybe even if he's married, it's a problem if for some reason he, they're separated or she's off on some vacation. So when his wife is off vac- on a vacation somewhere, he has to also take a leave of absence. And here, so we have a brighter that says that explicitly that according to Rabbi Yehuda, okay, I'm sorry, it was Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Lezer right that even if he's not currently with his wife we're afraid that he'll be, he'll it's give in to temptation could be maybe I don't know it could be could be okay Rabbi Yudomir now this issue about being a shepherd and uh, or, uh, or, or or sleeping together under one blanket two men Tanya so they said well we're not concerned about yichud and these types of situations or even sleeping together and so on when it comes to you know animals or two men. Um, now, this is, I'll just say one word about this, obviously a very sensitive and important topic. I'll say two things. Number one is, is that I think it does dis- show that Chazal, I mean, okay, there is the position of Rebbe Yehuda, but I think that Chazal was the very sort of dominant voice and shows that they thought that uh, sex between two men was as, as unnatural as sex between an, a person and an animal, which is the type of thing you hear today from some people, right? The only real sex is heterosexual. And it raised it raises questions about how one conceptualizes, right? After all of the heterosexual forbidden sexes, you know, it ends by saying, uh, by, by talking in the Torah, two men and then a man and an animal, right? So that's just the order. But it all is under this big umbrella of forbidden sexual acts. So it raises an interesting conceptual question of how Chazal thought about that whole phenomenon. Now, the 
so on the one hand that's deeply disturbing from our contemporary sensibilities on the other hand it's very interesting because it means if they didn't think it was if they thought it was completely unnatural and nothing that you know a normal good normal Jew would be it's something that the Goyim do not that Jews do it also meant that they didn't see a reason to legislate about it which raises really interesting questions nowadays which are questions that I get which is like can a gay man be in Yichud with another man or another heterosexual a heterosexual man or another gay man is there, a, is there an Isra Yichud now you could also say well you shouldn't be temp- tempting yourself but let's say it's, you know, it's a case where you're not tempted it's a pal it's a friend nobody has, is sexually attracted to the other person but is there an Isra Yichud right so um, you know and, that, and here it sounds like no we didn't make that we didn't make it because you didn't think that it was a concern but if it is a concern does that create an Isra Yichud so that's discussed in the postgame about whether once there is if there is a reality of a concern if you're dealing with a certain man who actually was known to have engaged in sex with other men that obviously you shouldn't be in Yichud and you shouldn't certainly shouldn't sleep under the same blanket with another man but is that because of there's a formal rabbinic prohibition or we say no it never was legislated but even though it wasn't legislated you don't do things that are opening yourself up to you know temptation right it's just not being responsible so interesting questions about how to think about was there ever any rabbinic legislation around these types of areas or because they thought that it was just so unheard of right that therefore they didn't they, it was, they never legislated it yes if you take the latter approach that, that um, then you need to model your rules that you, that you create after you can rules or is it just like it's a completely separate thing right and say well here's a new situation let's uh, exactly that I meaning if you say there was no formal legislation then the answer would be you know if you feel that there's some sexual tr- attraction or whatever some degree of concern then obviously you shouldn't do it the same way if you have a you know if you have a uh, Yitzhahara for uh, you know for cheeseburgers don't go into McDonald's to order a Coke right nobody's saying there's some formal Isidore bun and you're being over on but, but don't be irresponsible right but then you, you sort of judge case by case right in terms of it's not a, a, exactly that you know now if you, uh, again sometimes as you pointed out when we began the Yichud discussion sometimes because of the nature of sexual desire and so on it means making certain formal things you know and not all, you know and realizing that we don't always know exactly how we're going to act in certain situations but the point being it would not follow formal rules you know it would be like any other area which Chazal did not legislate but you should not be exposing yourself to temptate you know you, you shouldn't be irresponsible about your halachic responsibilities you know and exposing yourself to temptation and you should have to judge those cases yes. Your might be on both sides of this. Yeah, they're posting that feel that once this is a reality of a of of, of a concern, you're dealing, for people for whom this is a concern, then the formal rules do kick in and they become formal rules. And others say there are never any formal rules. It's just like don't like I said, don't be you know expose yourself to temptation. Okay, two other questions. So one is then, would it be okay for a gay man to be equal with a woman if he doesn't have it? Yeah, so that's also an interesting and question. Then, and then, so whatever the last thing yes. the sexual thing why is it Zachor yeah I never I never I never got that either what's Zachor I think because otherwise it could be Zachor I, I think it's just I, I, I don't know I'm sure there's some grammatical explanation which I don't know okay next Mishnah okay call since we're talking about being a, a school teacher and so on okay now we get to um, now we sort of broaden the discussion okay about tempta- sort of temp- tempting types of situations okay. yes so how do we pass in for the pre- like well we pass like the Chachamim against Rabbi Yehuda okay yeah so, 
Oh, no, but you mean in the first case? Yeah. Yeah, the Rambam Poskins that way. Of course, well, how do we therefore allow there to be female school teachers yeah. nowadays? I don't know. I mean, people must say, you know, in, in the circumstances where you're dealing with a large school, you know what I mean? And like, I mean, I'm there's other teachers around or whatever. I'm sure that the... I, I haven't looked at the literature, but I'm sure there's an explanation about how our circumstances are significantly different. Right? And one also gets a sense, like, is this the same type of formal Isser as yeah. like the Isser Yichud? Yeah. Right? Or is this obviously a statement about a certain you know circumstances and guidelines around you know and how much is there a technical iser to Rabbanan to be doing this right okay so those are good questions okay anybody who uh, deal, ha, whose business is with women meaning I don't know he's a dressmaker he's a jewelry maker whatever he should not be in Yichud with women so there's an interesting debate between Rashi and Rambam whether this means whether this means that the way Raji explains it is is that normally a man can a man can't be with two women, but a man can be with three women. And they're but if this guy is always around with women, he's a dressmaker or whatever, and he's all you know, so he obviously has developed a very like boundaries have gone down, right? He's always there with the women fixing their dresses and so on. He shouldn't even be with three women because there's gonna be too much of an opportunity there. Uh, yeah, it's a good to make sure there's another man around, I guess. Um, anyway, that's the way Tosus Rashi reads it. But the important part about that is that Rashi says as a general rule there's no yichud with one man and three women Rambam and Tosvos say the same way there's yichud with one man and two women there's one yichud with one man and three women okay and with four women and five women there's actually it's always going to be yichud unless you have two men so therefore what it's saying is even the dressmaker who needs to do it for Parnassan you might think that he's more inured to this because this is an everyday situation even he the normal yuhals of yichud still apply and he has to make sure there's another man around. Okay, but the interesting corollary of this discussion is, is there yichud with one man and three women? We paskin basically, the Ashkenazim paskin like Rashi, that with one man and three women there isn't yichud, but some understand that there is. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Um, uh, okay, now we go on. Um, a man should not teach his son a uh, a, a trade that is uh, you know that deals that, that that is that deals with women because of exposing to these types of temptations. You should always teach your son a clean and easy job. So you shouldn't get your hands too dirty. Shouldn't be too laborious. Should be whatever. Why should that be the umanut? Maybe you'll make more money if you do something that's you know that's yeah, more more, more demanding. Because here's what Rambam says: These And you know what? When it comes to how much money you'll make, pray to God. Pray to the one who has the wealth. There's no job, you know, that you that does not have people that are rich and people that are poor. Okay, you got stockbrokers that make millions, and you have stockbrokers that barely put food on the table. Because wealth, poverty, and wealth is not a, a function of your of your trade um, it all is about your merit now what does merit mean you would think like if you're righteous or not and are you being mitalal or not Tosos very interestingly reinterprets this to mean your mazel based on another Gemara which is like really? Zuchut and mazel I thought were like the exact opposite okay but anyway anyway what Rabbi Meir is saying is look 
you obviously can't say I'm not going to work. Like the old joke about the guy with the lottery ticket. Everybody know that joke? The, no. The guy goes and he's chased. The guy says, we bonus alone all my life. I've believed in you. I've, you know, I've davened. I've kept all the mitzvot. Once, once in my life, like why didn't I ever win the lottery? And then this voice comes out from heaven and says, idiot, buy a ticket. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, so Rebbe Mayer is saying, look, you got to have a job, right? You know, you're not going to, money isn't going to fall from heaven, but, but pick a job that's going to let you sit and learn Torah, presumably that's his point, that's the way the Marshal says it, that's not going to be too demanding, that's not going to get you into uncomfortable situations, that's not going to get your hands dirty, and in terms of how much money you make, that'll be up to God. So it's all going to be up to God, so you should get the easiest job possible that's going to, you know, not get you into trouble and not be too hard and give you time to learn Torah. Jacob, you had a question? Oh, no, yeah. Dove, you had a question? Yeah, just the beginning of the Mishnah. You know, when you contrast that to the previous Mishnah, I mean, you would think that the that the teacher would come under the Koshasa Kavim on the Shem if that's the situation. Right. Not, but there, there we specify only Rabat and not somebody who's married and exempt from that problem. Right. So I think that this is taking it one... Well, first of all, it's a little bit... Right. I think it's like taking it like one step further. I mean, that's that Asakavim on the The mothers drop the kids off and then they leave. There's like another Madregas, the dressmaker, you know, the jewelry maker and so on. Right? So I don't think it's the same degree. But nevertheless, it's like, you know, these are all like degrees of preference. Right? So it would be preferable, certainly not to be a dressmaker, better not to also to be a school teacher. I mean, you know, but anyway, but Rasakavi Menashim is a higher degree of involvement than the school teacher. Have you ever seen in your life like an animal or a bird that goes to, you know, they get dressed up in their business suits and they go to their jobs? They manage to get their uh, sustenance without going to any effort. And these animals were created to serve me. And I, I have a greater function on this planet. I'm here to, to serve God. So first of all, like, why do I have to go to work at all? Why can't I just go out and eat the grass? Like, why do I have to work harder than these animals? Ella, now obviously, where do we know that, that a human being has to work for their labor? From the first grade, right? Ella, I, my, 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 my deeds were bad because I sinned. Okay, the kapachti upon sati, and I therefore, you know, uh, um, destroyed, like, you know, uh, injured my, uh, my, uh, my sustenance. Basically, because of my sins, that's why now I have to go to work. So it's not exactly Isn't clear. He not to go to work? No. He's just, uh, he's just pointing out that this is like a fallen state. It sounds to me like he's coming to reinforce, I guess that's a little Christian. Anyway, it sounds to me that he's coming to reinforce Rebbe Mayer's point. Like, don't think like, oh, you know, um, you know, of course, this is the way the world works. The world works that you, you know, so what, what do you mean pray to God? There are, there are professions that make money and others that don't and we have to be true to how the world works and whatever. No. He says, the way the world really, really works is really like the animals. Like it should just come naturally. This is all about your sins. So therefore, pray to God, focus on like leading a righteous life and don't worry too much about your job. I think it's coming to reinforce Rebbe Mayer. Abagurian ish stayan omer mishum abagurya loyilamid adamas b'no chamar gamal kadar safan ro'ev vani. Do not teach your son to be a donkey driver, a camel driver, a um, a uh, uh, what's a kadar? As she said, it's a um, oh a, a wagon driver um, or or a uh, sailor or a shepherd or a storekeeper. Because they are they're all robbers. Now, what does it mean that they're all robbers? So Rashi says they're all robbers because 
the animals and the ones that go on a faraway journey or whatever they, they graze in other people's lands they collect wood for their fires from other people's lands you know and so on those are the people that are with their animal you know the, the camel and the donkey drivers and the shepherd and the chenvani are also the shepherd and the chenvani is because uh, you know Rocky says yeah exactly weights and measures and all of that okay but the next line one minute Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Yehuda says in the name of Abba Guria Hachamarin Ruban Rishaim donkey drivers most, uh, most of them are wicked because you know again they go ahead and they uh, you know graze their donkeys in other people's lands or something of that nature but the camel drivers most of them are kasher why? A because they're out in the desert so who are they stealing from and B Rashi says when they're exposed to danger they pray to God Okay, and they're more and they're frumer. Hasafanim ruban chasidin, and the and the boat, the the sailors. I mean, you know, they're exposed to all the dangers of the sea. Those are really righteous. Okay, now of they, course they the point break, is they don't curse. Well, exactly. <laughs> so now the point is that he's now saying something the exact opposite because the previous statement was was that they're all robbers. They're all listim. So that's why the marsha says that the statement, the first statement that they're listim was only going on the shepherd and the storekeeper. But the shepherd and the storekeeper have a lot of opportunities of cheating and grazing and all of that. The people that just, you know, bring donkeys to, 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 uh, to, to what do you call it, to, to move, uh, you know, wares or whatever it is, or camels, and so on, that he's saying, don't do it, not because they're robbers. Don't do it because, you know, because it's a difficult job and you're out of the city and you're not, whatever, you know, and yeah, you're not staying at home and all those types of concerns. So it's interesting, what are the concerns? Are the concerns exactly that, you know, of sin, or is it similar to the Rebbe Mayer concerns, at least some of these, of that's just not an umakala vinikiyah. It's very, very hard and takes you out of a, you know, having a nice home and a stable type of a life and so on. Okay, so now the Gemara continues. Tov shebarofim legehenim. The best of doctors go, should go to Gehenim. So now why? So Rashi says, if you look at Rashi, right before the lines get wide, first of all, because he takes such good care of his own health, I'm not sure that's always true about doctors, so he thinks like they're like immortal. Oh, I'm so healthy. So it's as opposed to, again, like the sailors who are seeing, you know, who are so scared of their lives. Doctors are too confident about their well-being. Okay. Right? Or whatever. They think they're God or they actually cause people to die because they're not conscientious about their job. So Marsha has a great read of this line. He says, The doctor who thinks he's the best of the doctors, he's going to get him. So that's like such a good license. That's the one that doesn't ask consult and doesn't talk to his colleagues. It's the one who thinks he's the best is going to get him. Okay? And the best of the, or the one who looks like he's a kosher butcher, and I mean like a, like from, you know, whatever, of good character, he's really a partner with Amalek. Now Rashi says it's because he cheats people, or because he gives people tray food, because he doesn't want to lose the Parnassa. But obviously the identification with Amalek seems to more be talking about this, uh, bl- you know, the, the bloodlust type of a thing. That it's a redirected desire for bloodshed. Of course, what's that? He's redirecting it, so it's not a bad thing. Uh, I would abandon all of the professions and I'm only teach Torah so it's a question does he mean don't learn a profession right is he disagreeing that you should you know, just trust it's, uh, it's going to fall from heaven the Marsha says no 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 what he means is he's re- reinforced
cursing Rebbe Mayer. Learn an easy profession, but don't spend even too much time in terms of educating the profession. You'll get some profession. All the emphasis, the focus should be on teaching, on, on, on preparing your son for a life of Torah. Okay, which doesn't mean you sit in kolel. You obviously get some profession, but you really have to focus on Torah education. Shadam ocham Okay, because that you'll get the reward in olam The other professions aren't this way. Person has illness or whatever, old age, and he can't do his job. Then he'll stop. You know, they'll stop getting a parnasa, and he could die from famine. will always pay your rewards. It protects you in your youth. Presumably, also the thing it's protecting you in your youth might be sexual temptation. And also it gives you hope in your old age. Nope, it's Yeah, I understand. You can go look at that. It's Vikoyeh. Anyway, Omer. So those that believe in God will have strength, and the elder says, they will be uh, sort of uh, flowering, you know, uh, um, lush in their old age. Now, why is that in? That seems to be a complete gloss at the end, right? It's uh, what is it doing? Keep keeping the Torah. Have to do with the fact about like learning Torah makes you successful in your old age. And by the way, not only is that a gloss, some scholars say that this entire Mishnah is a gloss. That basically the real parak ended with Okay, and maybe period. And like from Rebbe Meir on, it was all like some later type of a brighter or a gloss on it. This whole agadic thing. So I, I know it's already eight thirty, but let's just uh, yes. let, let, let's go to the end. Everybody has to leave, leave. I do want to say one thing, though. I'm asking myself, other than the fact that it's a nice agadic ending, what the heck is this doing in Masechet Kiddushin, right? Like, what does it have to do with Kiddushin? What does it have to do with Yichud, with anything? And I, the answer uh, struck me that maybe we've been wrong in thinking about that Kiddushin is just about marriage. Because if you think about how much the first parak was about, was also about, right, the parents' obligations to the children. Kiddushin starts with the concept of a father marrying off his daughter that's the paradigm of Kiddushin Kiddushin had a lot to do with acquisition right all the Kinyanim right it's, and what are the parents obligations to the son to marry him off to teach him Torah and to teach him a trade so in a certain way right this parak and a lot of this about you know parents and children and uh, uh, parents and children were an ongoing theme whether Yichus or father being a shaliach for his son or whatever the cases might be so I think more b- bigger picture this is about parents preparing their children for lives or generally like organizing your life who are you married to what is your parnasa what are like the things that you own right it's sort of like so if you look at it pull back and look at it through that lens right so this is a very sort of powerful ending here which it's talking about like okay we've talked about getting married like what's the type of parnasa you should get and how does that balance those are your three obligations right Lisa Isha Lilmotora you know Lambda Umnis how do you sort of balance the Lilmotora and Lambda Umnis type of a reality. So I think that really helps explain what this whole end Mishnah is doing at the end of Masechus Kiddushin. Alright, let's just go for a few more minutes. Tanu Rabbanan, a rabbi's taught. Um, 
Anybody that's primary job is with women, turning to that person is a bad news, okay? Stay away from that person. Like the people that like smelt and make jewelry, and the people that, uh, what does Rashi say? Uh, make right, uh, like, uh, right, uh, like make uh, garments or weavers or whatever, or uh, embroiderers, the people that uh, clean out uh, hand mills that women would have, like, you know, in terms of their kitchen appliances, and people that sell fragrances to women, and tailors, and uh, barbers, because the mothers are always bringing their kids to, to the barber, and uh, launderers, because all of these are the... So there you go, uh, dove. Well, these are all the storekeepers that women are regularly frequenting. So here it's in that list, okay? The Vagara, the Balan, the Gara is a, a blood letter, okay? Um, so I don't know why that specifically is with... Uh, is an issue about women, um, and the Balan is the... Uh, is, is the, uh, what do you call it, the uh, bathhouse attendant, the Borski and the Tanner. Um, and among these, some of these people, not you also do not make them into kings or, or high priests because these are considered to be like, like, you know, like inappropriate, like low class types of labors and maybe specifically because some of them are smelly or because they're manual labor also, but also maybe because they have to deal with interacting with women, which from a male-oriented patriarchal society was seen as more of a low-class type of a thing. My time alone, not because they're technically invalid, like we think that these people are not kosher witnesses or sinners or something of that nature, because it's a lowly type of a profession, which a little begs the question. Okay, Ten things were said about a blood letter. So it it's, uh, goes on his side, which might mean like he walks with sort of an erect posture, very prideful. Verucho gasa, so he's prideful. The Nitlaviyoche, when he sits, he's always like reclining and leaning back and stretching out, again showing his like a little bit his uh, you know, his gava. Um the Ainot Sarah, he um, has a, uh, you know, he, um, uh, uh, he, he's very stingy. Rashi says he's stingy because he's used to everybody always treating him. He goes to somebody's house to let blood, and the person after you let blood, you know, they have you eat some food. So apparently they would have a nice meal afterwards. So he's always very used to wherever he goes. Everybody's comping him, professional courtesy or whatever. So he never likes to put his hand in his own pocket. All right. The Ainot Ra'ah. And also, he's, um, he's, um, he, he, he has an evil eye against people. He doesn't like seeing healthy people around, because that means less business for him. Okay? <laughs> he eats a lot, because he's always being treated to, to people's meals. Okay? And he doesn't, uh, and he defecates only very little. Because he eats all this good food, like good fatty meat and, and white bread, so you don't, you know, so you don't poop so much with that. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, all right, okay. The Chashud al now this is very interesting. He's suspect of sexual sin. Why? Rashi says, So this is very interesting, right? Somebody that's got, you know, it's sort of like the, the concern about the rabbi that's always, you know, counseling these women. You know, so women go to him for, you know, pe- people in positions of power taking advantage is basically what it is. Okay? The al gezel because he robs, you know, he, he overcharges, when he's not careful with his profession. What's a clean and easy job? Amar Yehuda, 
machta de tamu yusa, a some type of a like a, of a of a stitching, okay, or quilt making or something. That you know, you don't have to make a lot of expenses. You don't invest a lot of money. You sit and you sit alone and you just sew. It's easy. It's not it's not laborious and so on. Okay, again, I don't know how many people that do that are tailors, uh, you know, make a fortune and say like it's you know the whole statement about Rebbe Mayer. It's all in God's hands. You know, some you're giving God more of an opportunity than others. Okay, Tanya, Rebbe. You, you know, the world is always going to need people of different professions. So any job you have, there's going to be someone who needs that job. Somebody's got to get the bad jobs. It doesn't have to be you. So praised are you if you grew up with parents that had a appropriate job. Now, what does Rebbe mean by appropriate job? Does he mean the same thing as Rebbe Mayer? I mean, Rebbe was quite wealthy. He was the Nussi. Does he mean being a tailor? Is does he have a different sense of what that means? I don't know exactly. But anyway, Rabbi is saying is it would be good if it was modeled for you. You know, somebody who grows up with parents that are professionals and doctors and lawyers that often sets them on that type of a path, right? So somebody's got to have those other jobs, but you should be trained and brought up in that you have the nice jobs. Okay? The Torah, the world cannot exist without a perfumer and a tanner. Um, Praise the person who, who, who winds up being a perfumer. Woe to the person who winds up being a tanner. What a wonderful way to end the Masechet. The world cannot exist without males and females. Praise the man who has boy children. Woe to the person who has female daughters. Um, because it, presumably, it's, I mean, I imagine it has more to be with the fact that you have a dowry, you have to marry them off. They're not considered to be people that are going to go and earn a living, you know, like the whole, the whole like Tevya and his daughters, right? He has five daughters. Like the concern is like he has to provide their dowry, and who's going to be providing for him? So I think in that type of a world, I hope I would rather read it that way than read it as this whole extreme sort of like negative statement about what it means to be a woman. So that's pretty much a restatement of what we had in the Mishnah. Pick a job, make it an easy job, pray to God. Let's just finish up. Have you ever seen an animal getting dressed up in a business suit? I guess he didn't read the far side too much. You know, I never saw a deer who was like a uh, who uh, was a what do you call it a, a dryer of figs or whatever that is the Ari Savalo I never saw a lion that was a schlepper that was like a, a mover the Shuachenvani or a fox that was a storekeeper the Hemi Parnasim very colorful the Hemi Parnasim Shalobitzarim they somehow they managed to take care of their needs the Hemlo Nivuelo Shamsheni and they were created for me my Elu Shalo Nivuelo Shamsheni Mi Parnasim Shalobitzar they get they provide for their needs without effort my deeds were I made them bad and I you know I, I ruined my, uh, my my sustenance he too it's your sins by the way the other thing I wonder about about, about yeah that's why people assume that the end of the Mishnah was really might have been a bright that wasn't really the Mishnah okay yes it's almost word for word the Mishnah a few a few a little a little different one also wonders whether hearkening back to Gan Eden is also 
also hearkening back to the marriage of Gan Eden, right? Gan Eden, Yikedem, the whole sense of the Kiddushin there. I haven't sort of unpacked that, but you know, in Mesechus Kiddushin and talking about, right, Parnassah and whatever, and Gan Eden, one wonders, like, where does marriage fit into that image? Is marriage the thing that wasn't ruined and the Parnassah was ruined? I don't exactly have to think about that, right? But we do hearken back to that perfect marriage of Gan Eden. Rav Nuray Omer, you're gonna starve. Other things. Alright, so we don't have a minion, do we? Alright, so we'll wait to do the formal theum when we have a theum whenever that's going to be. Good to everybody. I will see you tomorrow for Baba